0: Yes, it's WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming at WBAI.org, or ORG if you prefer. And it's time now for Night Shift, Mike Sargent and all the crew.
1: Sponsored radio WBAI 99.5 FM in New York and on the web at WBAI.org. And it is Halloween. This is the time where people cosplay before it was called cosplay. People get dressed up as their favorite characters. There's a probably a parade that's just finishing now in the village. Normally, when we were younger, on Halloween here on Night Shift, we would do something very special, and specifically with my co-host Joe Massiri, who is the uh, editor-in-chief of fearsmag.com, who at one time was known as Joseph Macabre. And JB B. Macabre, uh, sorry, JB Macabre, sorry, sorry, JB Macabre, JB Macabre. And, and, but now that we're old and, and, and this entire year we've been celebrating the 30th anniversary of Night Shift, which is hard to believe because that means I started the show when I was nine. But, uh, I, I have to say that it is a welcome, uh, a Halloween welcome gift to have Joe Masiri back on the show thank you Joe thank you Joe for coming down and gracing us with your presence. pleasure to be here so Joe Masiri, uh, here's my question for you. Uh, it is Halloween, and uh, now you know Halloween is is something that you know it takes on different things. It is one thing when you're a child, and then it is another thing when you're an adult. You know, it's it's one. Let's say it's one thing when you're a child; it's something else. Maybe when you're a teenager, when you're going to college, you know, if you do the whole party years thing, and then if you become a parent. That's sort of like I I think there's a period where, depending on the kind of person you are, like when you're in your 20s, early 30s, like Halloween ceases being a thing unless you go to a you know costume party. And then if you have kids, then Halloween becomes a whole other thing. It's sort of you know you trying to give kids whatever Halloween was for you. And then when you get older and your kids grow up, then you know now what is Halloween? So. Joe Masiri. Yes. Uh, I, I want to hear your Holly, Halloween journey. What was Halloween for you as a kid? I, I'm very curious.
2: Well, I think when the time we both grew up, it was a very much a community thing going to school in a costume having a pretty much safe neighborhood where you could go trick-or-treating you know you had a community you went to people's houses that your parents were friends with or uh you went to some of the local mom and pop shops uh from the bakeries to the to the produce folks and etc and they were giving out candy Uh, i do have to say that I lived not too far away from an outdoor mall called Atlas Park. And over the weekend, they had a, you know, local trick-or-treating for the kids. They call it a trunk-or-treat, too, because they have sponsors come on with cars and they fill their trunks with goodies. And so the kids can go to the stores and as well as those who show up with their trunks filled with goodies
1: for the kids. So it's like a kid's tailgate party.
2: Exactly, okay. exactly. And and that kind of has the feel of what the community trick-or-treating used to be like. Uh, there was a bookstore. There's a bookstore for kids in the uh, mall as well. And they did an 80s, 90s stranger thing kind of event, too, that tied in and overlapped with the trick-or-treating. So it was a nice festive family day, I went over and and checked it out to to see what they were doing and stuff. Uh, You know, of course, I have my daughter who's too old to do that kind of thing, but she's still like celebrating Halloween in her own way. And, you know, I still do. uh, A friend of mine has a annual, this was his 17th year of doing a Halloween costume party at Two thirty-fifth this past Friday night and I went and I was one of the judges and I have to say it, it, it was a little bit disappointing in, in the fact that most of the people who came in costumes, uh, they were either totally store bought or they were store bought with a little enhancement like makeup and most of the women were dressed in costume, whereas there were a lot of guys that just didn't even bother to come in costume or they basically wore their street clothes and maybe had like a mask. With them that they could put on. You know what I mean? They just Um, came
1: to look at the sexy girls. Well, you know, it's interesting. But there
2: weren't, there there weren't, there really weren't a lot of sexy girls. I mean, I don't mean that there
1: weren't a lot of sexy girls. What kind of party is this? There's no sexy girls. What do you mean? There
2: weren't a lot of sexy girls' costumes. And the one, at least the one, uh, Andy does one male winner and one female winner. And at least the, uh, the female winner, this woman, April, did her own D- DIY costume and uh, came as Mother Nature. And, and it, was, it was impressive. She did a really nice job. So it was nice to give the prize to somebody who at least had, had put some effort in and thought into it, you know?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I think New York and L.A. Uh, specifically, you know, are where you really see some of the most imaginative costumes. And over the years, you know, even just on Instagram, you know, there are these subway accounts that show people on the subway and their costumes, you know, original costumes, costumes that people came up with. That That's the best thing to see on Halloween when you're out and about in, in New York City. But mm-hmm. I also think. Like I was saying before, you know, costuming and getting dressed up, you know, Halloween has always been a time for people to do that, but cosplay and science fiction and dressing up and just the, 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 the the concept of cosplay and people even know what it is when we're saying it now, uh, the, the culture has changed. So costuming is on another level, meaning you can buy a costume for just about anything. Something comes out, there's a costume for it. I've seen some, uh, Costumes that people have come up with that are in enormously poor taste. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's just say some <laughs> right wing costumes that I've seen in regards to, uh, you know, what recently happened to Paul Pelosi. But I, I also think that. Uh, well, let me let me before I, I give my thoughts on that, I want to I want to jump back now. So you had kind of that E.T. childhood where you know you went around in a costume and you got bags of candy and uh, you dressed up and do you have any memorable costumes from your childhood before we move into your teen and, and young adult years?
2: Well, it's interesting because my sister had a box. Well, she has a lot of family fo- photographs. And she was going through it, and and there's those... Ah,
1: blackmail photographs, in other words. No,
2: they're not black. But there were some black and white photographs of uh, all of us over the years, kids, in in different costumes. There was uh, one of me standing out in front of my grandparents' house in a Casper the Friendly Ghost costume.
1: Okay, first Uh, of all, you know Casper was a dead baby. I mean, that's the concept of Casper. He was a, a, a child.
2: At the time, I wasn't aware okay. of
1: it, but now I'm okay. aware. Okay, you, so you dressed it. up as a dead child. Okay, I'm with that.
2: Well, I was dressed up as a dead child because it was a storeboard costume. So there you go. <laughs>
1: the fact that we sell that to children. Okay, go ahead. But, uh,
2: you know, and then over the years, when I started to get fascinated with makeup and stuff, uh, the, the big costume company, Rubik's Costume Company, uh, started out uh, on Jamaica Avenue in Queens uh, as the back part of a ice cream and, and soda fountain shop where they sold uh, magic tricks and um, theatrical makeup and costumes, you know, a little bit higher end costumes and such. And uh, eventually evolved into the big company now, which still has one of their big manufacturing plants and uh, a store front on Jamaica Avenue in Queens. And, and that was always uh, a trip, a trek, a journey for me and, and some of my uh, middle school and, and high school friends across forest park and through cypress Hills cemetery to jamaica avenue to go there to pick up stuff for for halloween whatever we could afford from whatever we were doing to make you know some pocket change back in the day
1: Back in the day, all right. Back well, in you know, day. back in the day. Well, I, I love this, Joe, because uh, I I remember, you know, when that company started, and like you said, they're huge now. Like people make memes of them, like fake costumes they'd like to see. It's mm-hmm. it's part of the culture now, uh, and they also are behind a lot of pop up Halloween stores, which is a thing that evolved in the last ten years or so. So. um... Now, let me ask you now, considering the fact that you are who you are, and it's interesting because I have a friend, her name is Kiri, and, you know, the first thing, I hadn't spoken to her in a long time, you know, pandemic, you're reconnecting with friends this year, and first she's like, oh, what Halloween parties, you know, do you know of any Halloween parties, you know, and so she's totally, she's she's gone at least three or four in this season and loves to get dressed up, uh, and she's not you know a young woman necessarily but this has just been her forever she's always been into going to halloween parties throughout her entire life that's a certain kind of person so what about you joe massiri teenage years young adult college were you still doing halloween was that still a thing did you still get dressed up
2: it's interesting because at one point what I ended up doing, um, I was working and, and, and helping out uh, Bob Martin do some special effects makeup, and I grew a beard so that this way I didn't have to uh, be the test subject anymore. So I, I like the fashion of Halloween. Like I have a, a whole bunch of Halloween and scary ties and some sports jackets and uh, I've got the some. fashion
1: of Halloween with Joe series.
2: There you go. So that I can dress for the occasion, but I don't necessarily have to put on makeup and go that whole route.
1: So so you stopped, by the time you became a teenager, you stopped specifically dressing up, but you embraced the the horror slash Halloween fashion sense. Is that yes, what you're saying?
2: By the time I was in, by the time I was like 21, I wasn't doing makeup anymore or wearing masks or... You know, especially if, if you were driving, it was a real pain to be wearing anything that could obstruct your vision, per se, or, you know, it just it just seemed too that friends who were wearing makeup and were driving were more frequently pulled over by the cops than those who weren't. So, well, you
1: know, it's interesting. Uh My childhood, and I'll, I'll just give you a, a, a snapshot of I me. Mean, my childhood, you know, I always you know, similar to you, you know, we went in the neighborhood trick or treating and coming home with a giant, you know, you know, pumpkin bucket or whatever of of candy and. I remember I couldn't have said like whatever I dressed up as because I don't really remember. But then when I look at these photos, like you said, family photos, I realize like most of the costumes my my I and my sister wore, my dad who is an artist and he was like commercial artist, cartoonist, and uh and an art teacher. He made most of our costumes. So when I look at these costumes, I realize like my dad made our costumes. So for me now, as I got older, uh, I didn't I, I kind of embraced not so much the horror uh, or, or Halloween style. I, I embraced more like the science fiction style, you know. Mm. So uh, interestingly enough, just in terms of costuming, you know, by the time I was in my late teens, early 20s, I was doing science fiction conventions. And I didn't you know, that's where I saw that people would. You know, spend a year building some gigantic costume they could walk around the convention in. I I didn't even know that this whole, you know, subculture existed. But what we did. You know, we were there promoting the James Scott thing at the, at the convention, science fiction conventions in my early twenties. And, you know, we were wearing like the jumpsuits, you know, because we were from the space station wedgecraft, you know, (laughs) so we, we, we kind of had like, and we had patches made and all of that. So I was very comfortable. And there is even, yes, I will admit this. There is a video out there from a BBC documentary on blacks and science fiction that has me walking in Times Square in a red jumpsuit. Zip down to like my navel with sunglasses, walking around putting up James Scott posters. That actually is out there. It's it's on YouTube. All right, but I, I, I so by the time I was in my early twenties, like you, I didn't really do a lot of dressing up when I was in college. I, I, I think that was the first time I ever wore prosthetic makeup. Uh, I went with a friend of mine who I think was the one who, who did the makeup. Uh, his name is Lloyd Goldfein. And we both went as like the aliens from Star Trek, you know, with the big heads. Mm. Yeah, we, we. so I have, a, there's a photo of me with a giant white head and, you know, robes and whatnot. And so I did that. And then I even dressed up as Tina Turner one year for, for, in college, there's a photo of that as well. Yes, there is. Okay. Uh, so. When, so, when, when you were experimenting. Uh, you would know, I was just, you know, I was, I didn't care. I was, you know, young and, and, you know, anyway, so I, that was me in the twenties. So, uh, and, 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 you know, I was doing enough weirdness in my own life, you know, acting in a film where I was, had to shave my head and had, like little devil's spirit glued to my scalp, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, I didn't really. Halloween was something like, yes, if there was a cool party to go to, great. I'd come up with something. Uh, I, I could do something. But it really wasn't until I became a dad that, that I, I did, you know, Halloween then started to do something else. Like, so tell me about you now, 20s, 30s. As an adult, you just kept the Halloween thing. Did you ever dress up again? Was there ever any parties where you dressed up? Did you ever do something or let because you have so many friends in the industry? Are you going to tell me nobody made you up as an ape or anything?
2: Nope, no. Nope. In fact, it was really it was really funny because uh, I don't know how we ended up that way, but but uh, Ed Flynn, the graphic designer and artist of Better Wear a Hat, that I. Uh, created Fears Mag with, um, we hung out one Halloween and, uh, he did this whole, uh, werewolf thing, but he was like, uh, he what, had on what's his- a, What's
1: a werewolf thing?
2: Well, he did this really great werewolf makeup, but he was wearing a, uh, uh he, he was like a Playboy werewolf he was wearing a smoking jacket and and a uh tuxedo shirt and uh patent leather shoes and uh, i think think he had tuxedo pants on you know the ones that used to have the the satin stripe down the side kind of thing and okay. uh okay and and we were we were hanging out and for, how, and how were you he was
1: he was a cool werewolf what were you
2: well i have i have this uh motorcycle jacket that uh, I think you've seen that a friend of mine who is uh, a painter and artist uh, as a thank you for doing some of his PR for two of his shows took and did a whole painting on the back of the jacket and then uh, design, you know, added some other pins and accoutrements to it. So that's kind of like my Halloween jacket uh, and I usually wear my my black tuxedo shirt with uh, this this really nice Halloween bolo that I have. So, in other uh, words, you
1: just go as a totally cool dressed Joe. That's your yes. costume, okay? Yes. You uh, actually, and well, in back cool in the day, Hollywood ge- ha- Halloween gear.
2: Uh, back in the day, like I I used to go as JB Macab. Who are you? I'm JB B. J. Macab. JB
1: Macab. I got you, Joe Massiri. So, J.B. McCobb. There you go. Now, let me ask you, um, and I know we've talked about it on the show. Uh, we've talked about why people like to be scared, you know, how it reminds you you're alive and the thrill of, of being scared in a movie and, and why scary movies, you know, have, you know, always existed and will always exist and and how great, you know, we're in a renaissance of, of horror film in the last 10 years. Of course, there's always a lot of stuff out there that's not that good, but we've had a lot of great horror films in the last 10, 12 years, which I, I couldn't say at any other period, maybe except the seventies. So, uh, what do you think Halloween? is today versus what it was. I mean, you heard about what happened in Korea. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one thing about Halloween is it's a, it's a time, you know, one thing about human beings, okay, is that there is a need, I think, and this is something, you know, maybe we'll do a show on, but there's a need for not so much anonymity, but for being able to be someone who you're not. You know, whether it's, uh, 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 hiding behind a persona on social media, you know, and, and we all know what used to happen in chat rooms and we all know, you know, that there are trolls on one extreme, but you know, the, there is a need or, or, or a part of us that is attracted to wearing a mask. So, uh, for you, what do you, what, what's your analysis of, of, What Halloween means to society. Uh, uh, and if you have any thoughts on what happened in Korea and just how, you know, why so many people just wanted to be around so many people if, uh, you know, post pandemic and all of that. Uh, and, and what do you think Halloween is, uh, in terms of a societal release or, or, you know, you know, for those who don't dress up, they enjoy seeing those who do. You know, I mean, there's the spectacle and the parade and all of that, but there's also, you know, the last week people are going to costume balls. Costume balls have always existed. So, Joe Massiri on Halloween, talk to me.
2: I think, uh, in regards to what happened in Korea, I don't know what that's all about because if you look at the pictures and stuff that was happening that was just people getting together there i didn't see anybody that was in a costume they weren't dressed up they were going out to these these clubs that were doing this halloween event and it just seemed like over there it was like another new year celebration or st patrick's day it was an celebrate. excuse
1: to get together
2: yeah to get and, out and go in out a crowd, right and and from the, the diversity of the crowd, it almost sounds like it was, I feel that it was just like a, a flash mob or something like that, that for the way that all those people showed up and it was such a diverse crowd that it seems like some kind of uh, message went out via social media and all these people showed up.
1: But it's a conspiracy I- theory, Joe.
2: You got a conspiracy theory about Korea? No. Oh. So, but, at, you know, at the end of the day, it, it wasn't like the New York City Halloween parade and how, you know, back in the day when when I uh, was at the bar and you would get the crowds in or, you know, uh, around Halloween they used to do
1: wigs. When you say you was at the bar, you mean when you used to work at a bar downtown New York, for those who don't know your entire history.
2: Yes. So uh, and you would get the crowds for Halloween, especially on the you know if it's falling on a Friday, Saturday, and even a Sunday, you get bigger crowds than when it's a Monday or any other time during the week. but then, right near Halloween there there also used to be wig stock, and that used to bring in a big crowd, so I don't see anything in this thing that happened in Korea uh haven't heard anything from the images that I've seen. It doesn't show appear for all intents and purposes that these people were doing something that we would come to associate with Halloween. It just seemed more like an excuse for a social gathering. So, that's, okay. that's,
1: okay. All right. that's all my right. take okay. on um, all right. Halloween. it. Halloween, what it was what it is and why.
2: I, I think it You know, depending on the city that you live in, it it means different things. Um, Cities like, you know, the Halloween parade or the West Hollywood Halloween uh, event that takes place in in Los Angeles. Big cities.
1: Big cities. Cities. You're talking about big cities.
2: Yes, that that they tend to take on a more uh, socio-political overtone in what people do because those things are... Though Those events are covered more by the media, albeit even if it's just the local media, and people have a chance to, you know, voice their opinions and thoughts. Whereas when you talk about cosplay and uh, a Comic-Con, it's a whole different thing, you know? Uh, Those people get to be a more of a psychological release whereas people doing the social commentary during the Halloween event I think you know they feel it's a safe space where they can air their political views and you know knock wood I don't want to say anything the night's not over yet but you know there are people out there who would take advantage of the situation because of the opportunity that it allows people to express those political views that might be diametrically opposed to what their political beliefs are
1: so, so are are you concerned that large gatherings will result in violence as our society becomes more divided I think so. I,
2: people don't see the Uber in it. Uh, you know, there's that political division that exists in our American society these days that can't take a freaking joke and cancel culture and the whole nine yards and
1: can't take a freaking joke. Now, Joe, that can be turned. I, 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 the the usage I, I I interpret you meaning it for could easily be twisted and and utilized and weaponized. I hate to say. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here with what you're saying, but you, you're saying you're, okay, your concern about the future of ha- Halloween and large events based on this Korea thing is that, you know, violence can erupt at any time. Is that what you're, is that, and you're concerned about the state of humanity?
2: Yes. In fact, uh, I think it was, uh, what, what is it? Uh, Buzzfeed? did a a top 10 list of Halloween costumes that you know you shouldn't wear this year kind of thing because they're and the ones they're, that
1: people have already worn I've seen it on video people walk around in Nazi costumes yeah
2: well not even just Nazi costumes like sexy nurses uh playboy buddy wait why can't you be a
1: sexy nurse
2: because they, they say it's in bad taste and
1: it's offensive what, what if you're a sexy male nurse though
2: I I have no idea.
1: So, ah, you know, Joe, you need to be able to 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 respond to these kind of questions.
2: So I I don't know who these people are that came up with the list, but I'm talking about it, and I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. So
1: I have no idea.
2: But uh, you know, of course, they there there were certain certain ethnic costumes that they 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 came out against and the like. And the obvious it, ones, the obvious ones. Okay. So
1: if, if, you wanna, okay.
2: if you, if you want to, if you want to look it up, it's out there. <laughs> the bus.
1: You know, I, I, I say this, Joe, I, I, and unfortunately, I wish I could say that you are just, uh, looking at things negatively, but I, I have to say in many ways, you know, we talk about life is like science fiction, the surreality of life today has has given rise to the uh discussion of are we living in a simulation mm-hmm. and if we are living in a simulation and 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 it dep- and perspective is the only thing that would consider this to be a simulation in my opinion it's just your perspective whether you're a uh, you know cosmic being or uh you're or a human perhaps humanity has a lifespan And there's a certain point we'll get to where because of how we live, we die. Everything that's happening with the climate and fascism. I see it as
2: more as a freshness date.
1: A freshness go. day. Oh, okay, well, I, I'd say we've been stale for a minute, dude. Yeah, you know, I, I you think know we're, we're way we're, past. We're way past. You know, sell by. Okay, or, or we're, we're we're at we're the pa- best use by date. We yeah, still have. Past, no, I don't know about that, dude. I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe we, I'm we, gonna have we a still have half, some. Dude. We
2: could we could still be on the uh, you know on sale in the supermarket at a discounted rate. Like you okay. see sometimes. So you still
1: still, still but, but there's but, a day or two left of
2: freshness.
1: Is that what you're saying, Joe? We're not,
2: we're not ready for the trash just
1: yet. Hey, listen. They said we're going to cure cancer by 2030. You heard about that, right? So maybe by the time we cure cancer, if we're still here, that's only eight years. You realize that?
2: I, I know. Years. But here's the question. Do With everything else that we are doing, do we deserve it?
1: There's a lot of reasons why you'd want to erase history or rewrite history and not want, let's just say, a sector of the population to not know about their history. But just human beings in general, not knowing their history means they can't learn from the past. And you how would you be better? Exactly. How do you improve? How, how is it that we, you know, we're not much, much more advanced globally as a species? Forget you know, like we haven't even gotten to the point where we can even look at ourselves as just as one species. We're we're not even at that you know that uh, Star Trek point of you know the you know where we 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 recognize we're all human. We're not even at that point yet. We're still I, killing each other. What?
2: And, and I have to tell you something, which I uh, I've been watching the. Uh the first installment of uh The Immortal Chronicles uh interview with a vampire on AMC. Oh, how is that?
1: I heard it was I heard it was it was much better and and it should have always been done that way.
2: Um I think the biggest hook for this is that the premise of the TV series is that Louis de Pontaloc the vampire that the journalist first interviews has resummoned him now 30 years later after the initial interview. And he's doing, he's doing the interview again. The vampire sends the journalist the tapes, which is the whole catalyst for the whole thing, and sends him a letter to come kind of thing. So he's never really written the first book after their first set of interviews. And so basically it, it's a whole thing of, of also how the perspective of the vampire has changed and, and and how the journalist has also changed with age so it's 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 really it's very a
1: reimagining of her book and yeah. on an updating in many ways
2: right and also uh, they've made uh, Louis Creole. Interesting. As gentlemen of our age are apt to do and the thing. Yeah, 39. And looking and talking about the show and understanding the 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 history of things as we do to the extent that we do, it's it's it you know it becomes the point if one could be immortal, would one want to be immortal? If one Could be immortal,
1: would one want to be? Good question, Joe Masiri. Well, Joe Masiri, I thank you, uh, because now we're going to go to the pre-recorded segment. And okay. I, I think it's a great, great, great uh, point to stop on. And it is Halloween. And it is 2022, which is just to even living this year and say this year sounds like science fiction to me. We did a show many moons ago. And and this because it's Halloween. That's why I'm going to play it. Where J- Chris and I and Valley. Do you remember Valley? Yes. We went to the premiere of the first Saw movie
2: yes i remember that like it was yesterday
1: you remember it like it was yesterday and we went to the premiere and the after party uh, the after party yes we did and we we for whatever reason we we Lickered got, up Carrie Yules. We liquored up Carrie, Carrie Elwes, and uh, the producer and the director and all that. Anyway, Carrie Elwes decided he was going to come on the air. This is Carrie Elwes, the the actor who was in, you know the the, the Princess Bride, the and, Princess Bride, and all these films. And and he was in, he was the star of Saw, and, and he decided he was going to come on live and do the show with us. Uh and this is that show. That's that's what you're going to hear. This is from what year did to talk about?
2: I don't know off the top of my head. That was, it had to be like around 20 years ago. Oh, more than that, dude. Let's 2022.
1: Saw so, 2004. There it is Okay, 2004 So, this is an episode from 2004 This was recorded live This is back when we were on 120 Wall Street yep. we brought The actor Carrie Ellis Decided to come on and do the show with us live and, and how do you remember it like it was yesterday? Why do you remember it so well, George? Mm-hmm.
2: Because Chris was wearing his Incredibles jacket Yes, he was and the party was at that club in the basement of the Chelsea Hotel.
1: Yes, it was. Joe Maseri, good memory. You weren't so. drinking, man. You weren't drinking as much as the rest of us. Man. Yes. So.
2: More so, because I had girth and, and the girth. plenty to absorb the alcohol. Yes.
1: Well, there's less of you now, Joe. you're young, you're... Stronger, faster, better. Alright, so uh, so two thousand and four. Wow. So yeah, so so Terry always decided to come on. And uh, and, and who do we have? Was it Lee Winnell or who 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 was it? It was Lee? was it? it was... Lee's co-starred, and I don't No, Well, Lee went out, but I mean, who, who was on with Carrie always? I think it was... Uh... I, I don't remember because I didn't come up to the show. Oh, you so didn't come I up had... to the show. That's right. I had someplace else to go. You had someplace better to be. You go to hell, Joe. Well, now you're going to hear what you missed. Oh! Sponsored radio WBAI 99.5 FM. The name of the show is The Night Shift, baby. Can you dig it? He's called Saul. Radio WBAI, 99.5 FM. I'm here with the producer, Mark Burge. Mark, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. And I've got Oren. Oren, are you here? Yes, I am. Okay. And I've got Carrie Elways. Carrie, are you here? I'm here, baby. Wow. All right. And I've also got, amazingly enough, for those who have listened to shift for throughout the years, you've heard him call in, but now he's here live. Chris, are you here? Pull your microphone Yeah, over. my brother. Chris <laughs> is here. And Chris Griffin. Yes. The one and only. Not to mention Valley.
3: Yep, right here. And
1: Byron Saunders. Jamboree. Oh, yeah, Byron, Byron yeah, Saunders from... Byron wow. Saunders. All right. In the so, house. this is a pretty amazing show. You're tuned to listen to Sponsored Radio WBAI 99.5. We're here to promote a film called Saw. Uh, did you catch me? Saw. And we're also here to raise money for the station. But, uh, Carrie Elways, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Wow. I can't believe we actually have you here at the show. Thanks, At man. the station. Thanks, it's pretty I amazing. I can't believe it. A live celebrity. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. A live celebrity here. Uh, Mark, night, you have I'll anything to say? You, is
4: my partner there? Yeah, your partner,
1: <laughs> Oren, is here. He's here.
4: What's my partner wearing?
1: <laughs> What's He's wearing a blue pinstripe shirt. He's
3: wondering if he's naked.
1: <laughs> he's wondering if he's naked. Mark.
3: No, we were wishing he's naked. Or getting
1: there. We have passes to give out for people who are going to pledge for WBAI. But Mark, I have a question for you.
3: Yes,
4: sir.
1: Mark, when did you first know that you wanted to make movies?
4: When Oren Coolest told me I should. <laughs>
1: That's a very good answer. Uh, and how long have you been making movies?
4: Since Oren Coolest told me I should
1: <laughs> Oren, you play well, I see. And Oren, how long have you been making movies? Ever since Mark Burke told me to make them. <laughs> okay. Carrie, how long have you been making movies with Oren and uh, Mark? Uh, since Aaron and Mark told me to make it, I understand. <laughs> Chris, how long you been doing the show?
5: Uh, how many years back we go? Fourteen years now, at least 14. 14, well, 15, 15 years, fifteen years. 15 years yeah.
6: Chris Griffin. Wow, at least the same, yeah. right? Chris has what, been, yeah. Byron,
1: Byron. Saunders. 10 Byron years. At but least. where's your headphones, Byron? <laughs> where's your headphones? I
4: don't I don't know. Byron's
1: in I, another I, I dimension. You don't have there. any headphones,
4: Byron? We don't
1: have any headphones. We have Amazing. so many celebrities in the. So many it's celebrities. Incredible.
4: He's, he's out of things. Yes, what's the wow.
1: question, Mark?
4: Who the hell is Byron Saunders? <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Who the hell is Byron Saunders? Well, for those who have just tuned in, you're tuned to listen to sponsored radio WBAI ninety nine point five FM. I'm Mike Sargent, and we have Carrie Elwes, who is the star of a new film that opens this Friday. It's a thriller. It's called Saw. That's S A W. And we have the producer, Orrin. How do I spell your last name, Orrin?
7: K O U L E S. Coolis.
1: K O U L E S. Is that Greek? Yes it is. Oh um. and Mark Burge, B-U-R-G. How do I spell your last name? B U R G Burg. Berg. B-U-R-G. And you produced this film with Carrie Elwes as a star. What would you describe this film as being?
4: Hot without <laughs> 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 right. getting too it? much away I
1: understand <laughs> alright let me, let, me, let me move in on Carrie because he's the actor he's merely the talent these people are the money people Carrie what made you want to do this film considering your career and your resume Princess Bride all right. these other films that you've done yeah. you've been a nice guy yeah. occasionally like in uh, Liar Except Liar you've played Thunder. the guy who people don't like but
8: yeah. what made you want to do a film like this well um, actually Arne and, uh, and mark sent me a, a, a tape a DVD as a matter of fact of the a scene that the director had put together and the writer and it was about 20 minutes long and Aaron uh, just said to me listen just email me back once you've once you've watched this little DVD and let me know what you think and uh, this DVD was about the most compelling little scene that I've ever ever watched uh, on on my TV screen. Is I lost my mic there. Here we go. And uh, what's going on here, man? <laughs> it was one of the most compelling little scenes I'd ever seen. Okay? And the director clearly had a, an amazing vision. Okay. Uh, it was a sequence where um, one of the characters had a reverse bear trap on her head. And uh, I just sent an email back to Aran saying, wow, with, a, with an exclamation okay. mark. That's, that's how I knew right away that I want to be a part of. This is of it. something you want to be a part of. yeah.
1: And let me ask you a question. Uh, for you, as an actor, I mean, what kind of roles do you get offered to Carrie Elwes? Because you're not an easy person to cast. I try. Hey, Can I
4: make a, a, a statement here real quick?
1: Please, Mark.
4: Terry always is going to start taking roles from Tom Cruise real soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm with
1: that. I'm with that. So, I mean, what kind of roles do you get offered? Um, What kind of stuff comes across your desk? You know, I
8: try to keep it as varied as possible, Steve. Uh, I basically uh, try to mix it up a little, if you know what I mean, just like you do here at uh, Music. uh, Sure. WBN. You know what I'm saying? So... um, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I just finished a movie with uh, Justin Timberlake and Morgan Freeman and uh, Kevin Justin Spank.
1: Timberlake yeah. and Morgan Freeman. That's yeah. a
8: contrast. Yeah, LL Cool J. We all naked?
0: It's,
8: it's called Edison. No, we're not naked. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: just want to know if that girl's naked yet. Yeah, no, she's not no. naked yet,
1: but she will get LLB. naked. I will be. That's Valley, who's here with us. Uh, and so this came across your desk, and yeah. you said, you know, this is something I have to do.
8: Then they sent me the script. After I sent back the email to Arne saying, wow, then Arne oh. sent the script to me, and I read it in one sitting. And, wow. You know, this is a genre that's been done to death. You know, a serial killer, uh, taught, you know, uh, taunting vic- his victims, you know what I mean? And this was one of the most original scripts I'd ever written. I sat, sat down, like I said, I read it in one sitting, and it was so compelling. And I'm sure Aaron and Mark felt the same way. as why they sent it to me, you know? And uh, I just I just said, Why do I sign, you know? Okay. Uh, well, Oren lean forward you
7: know, most people who you know who tell stories like this especially when the movie is coming out always exaggerate and i have to tell you that everything carrie told you is exactly we sent him well, an eight-minute dvd what the guys did is the writer director didn't have any money and so they what they did was they shot a scene of the movie themselves just playing themselves playing characters in the movie and they sent it to us it was so compelling and so amazing and and we got it and we just we were you know like anything else you want to be validated and so the first person we sent it to was carrie and just kind of thought you know what carrie's been around a long time and seen a lot and done a lot and worked with great producers and great filmmakers and we thought let's see what he says we fired it off to him and literally he didn't exactly he sent me one three caps wow
1: all right well then i gotta ask you now you're a producer okay a lot of scripts come across your desk Okay. What made you, first of all, what made you like the film? And second of all, what made you call Carrie Elwes? I mean, he's perfect, but how did you know? You're not a casting agent.
7: Um, Well, first of all, we represent Carrie. Carrie.
4: uh... Tom Cruise said he wanted the movie, but I wanted
1: Carrie
7: Elwes. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Carrie, when you read. I know it's it's hard now when you see the movie to to imagine anyone else, but when you when you read it and you know it's carrying and I just i had to i wanted his validation to tell me that I was on the right track as a producer,
8: yeah, no when, these guys uh, did a great uh, job with it too. I mean. Uh, we shot the thing in, in 18 days. We had a very, very Wow, 18 know, no, days. No time, yeah, no time to sit around and chat. And, uh, you know what I mean? We just got in there in the trenches and just did it. Well, let me, for those who are listening
1: who don't know too much about the the film industry, I mean, you clearly could have gotten a
8: lot more money for a different film. What made you pick a film like this? Well, like I, like Aaron said, this, this little DVD, I thought it was like 20 minutes long. I guess that's how much of an impact it had on me. I guess it was only eight. These guys clearly had such a great vision. Uh, I could describe it being uh, something like a cross between Silence of the Lambs and Seven. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. And the editing and the sound effects and the visuals, everything was so powerful that it stayed with you. I mean, it's kind of imagery. That's, sure. That's, that's essentially what the film is like. <laughs> yes, it um, is. And I've it, seen it twice It now. stays with you. You know, we had some <clears throat> we had some screenings up at the Sundance Film Festival, some late night, midnight screenings. Okay. And uh, I went to a few of them, and I got to tell you, after a couple of screenings, I noticed some of the audience members were being escorted out because they were just visibly upset by the film. So we're just telling people, if you're squeamish or faint of heart or you have high blood pressure or you had a heart attack or you're pregnant, about to give birth, this is probably not the movie. Don't go see this movie. I hear you. Now, Oren,
1: I have a question for you. Now, for you, before Carrie... What made you think that this was the film that you wanted to make? And, and tell me a little bit about your resume. Like, what had you done before this?
7: Uh, well, uh, Mark Berg and I, had, you know, kind of been looking for a movie to do ourselves. We we make movies for the studios. We made John Q for uh, New Line, and they were very generous to us. But still, it was it's their their show. And we we found a script and, and saw that we just thought this is something we could make, and we can and share the filmmaker's passion. And, Give them the palette they wanted so they can paint, and you know, literally the first person we gave it to was Carrie, and we just, it just kind of started out as a partnership, and we just wanted to go.
8: Yeah, and then we were very fortunate to get uh, Danny Glover on board and Martha Potter, and sure, sure, you know, and these guys Did came in. Did I tell in.
4: you that after Tom Cruise wanted to do the movie?
1: Carrie <laughs> 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 always stepped in.
8: Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It's well, a let, dunk, me you, no let me ask you, Mark. Let me ask you, Mark, because... We very to carry over, Sorry.
1: Well, you, you've you given a lot of credit to Oren. But what about you? What stood out about this film to you? Like, what made you feel like... I mean, you, there are tons of thrillers that come out every, every, every year. Uh, what made you think that this is a film that you want to do, considering the kind of films that you had done, which were not thrillers before this?
3: It was real simple.
4: Orin
3: cool has told me I should do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story, and he's sticking to it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'd say, Orin, you're the man, obviously. No, Orin, said- oh, then let me direct my questions back to you. What made you feel that this was a film to do?
7: You know what? It's 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 like anything in life you make bets, and I, I bet on the filmmakers. I, I, we met Lee and James for literally 10 minutes. I looked at James, and I said, James, are you ready to direct this film? And he said, yes. And he was scared to death. And I looked okay. at me and I said, Are you ready to star on this film? And he said, Yes. And literally, that's the whole story.
8: It Carrie's up, raising his hand. Yeah, carry. I got to tell you, when I sat down with James, um, he had a portfolio under his arm. Okay. Okay. And I said, What's in the portfolio? And he, un- he unzipped it. And he took out all these paintings and drawings and watercolors that he had done himself, okay, wow. of the sets. Of the costumes, okay. of the uh, of the mechanical bad trap that you see in the movie, which you know was so okay. detailed. Okay. I said to him, "How come that's so detailed?" He said, uh, "Yeah, that's because it's operational." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, and it turns out the little doll that you see in the movie. He yeah. actu- he actually made that himself. He made that the doll The one that was himself? in the club tonight? In, in the movie. No, the, real, the one in the real no, one. Wait, oh, wait. One. Was that Big the one. doll one. in the club?
3: Yeah, there was... No, no, no. no, no, no. That was... This is. A, but he's saying uh, the real one. Oh,
8: okay. Actually. The real, one. real yeah. one's actually... Now, now i got to tell you, how many directors are that passionate that they That's design... True. And he even had a design of the poster of the movie. So the guy really had a vision. And so... You know, it's very rare when you meet new filmmakers sure. that you have an, even an idea what a shot list is. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. And this guy really understood film, and I was so taken with that, and I, I always want to encourage new filmmakers. Well, I mean,
1: let, me, let me get a little context here, Carrie, because you've worked with some pretty established filmmakers, uh, Rob Reiner and some other people. I mean, for you, you know, it's not like you are a novice and you'll just right. take anything that comes along that looks yeah. interesting. What made you... Really think that this was a film that you wanted to be involved
8: with? I mean, was it that short film? Or, it was. Or? The sh- it was a combination of the short film. It was a combination of, of the script, and and meeting James and and feeling his passion and, and and I, you know, it's like his his passion rubbed off on me. I felt it. I was like, okay, let's go make this movie. You know. Okay, and what about you, Aaron?
1: I mean, you had to convince your producer Bruce. i mean, sorry, Mark Burge, who was not as enthusiastic as you talk to me uh
7: he's totally enthusiastic you know what when you have a partnership you you do different things and i came to him and and just said we're doing this and he looked at me and he i think he saw it in my eyes and he said okay let's go all right he just said yes boss no not (laughs) yes boss at all we're partners you know what there's days he does things that i just blindly agree to and we just did you say he's my boss <laughs> no, no, no. We didn't say that. No, no. no. I say we're partners. And there's days that you do things and I do. Yeah, things. baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It was the. It just was a combination of 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 watching this short that they did that was just so amazing. What, reading this script that was so amazing. And the first person we gave it to, it, literally, and it's horrible to say, is a test balloon. Really, is Carrie. And just because I knew what I thought we had. And Mark knew what he thought we had, and Greg Hoffman, who works with us, thought. But you know, you want to get an actor's point of view because actors look at scripts completely different than producers do. <laughs> well, and let me let me
1: get a little context, Carrie. What kind of scripts do you get? I mean, well, what kind of know, stuff I
8: read, do you get? I, to a I, I read honestly. I um, mm-hmm. I recycle a lot of them. I take the brads out and I put them in the recycling bin. You pretty much know after the first ten pages if you can't grab an actor or a reader, I should say or an audience member indeed in the first ten pages which is equivalent to the first ten minutes roughly of a movie you've lost it it's done so either it's compelling or it's not and, and most actors I'm sure I, I speak for many when I say that you know you sit down usually with a pen or a pencil in your hand you're ready to start like amending the, the script you know and try and make it work for you and come up with ideas and what have sure, you sure. I finished reading the script put the pencil down didn't put a mark in it Wow. It was perfect. Okay. I didn't want to touch it. It was okay. perfect. You know okay. I mean? And how often does that happen in your and life? Very, very rare. Very, very rare. Okay.
9: Do you get like, discouraged too? Like just go through like a year or two? or Oh,
8: sure. You know, it's like... Just don't uh, find anything? It's rare. It, like I said, this, this project... Reinvented the genre, reinvents the genre. It, you know, most of these films that you see that deal—yes, it does—with yes, does. slasher films. You know what I mean? You, you you've got some ob- woman who's being objectified, who's half naked, running through a house with some serial killer with a knife chasing. You know what I mean? And this was so original and so different that you ask anyone who's seen it. You guys have all seen this movie. Yeah, it's so original. You uh, you didn't you didn't get the ending. You I, would, I would say it was inspiringly brilliant,
5: which I've told you guys at least ten times <laughs> on the drive-up. And the thing he was telling me, but he was blown away with when, when they first sent you the the DVD, yeah. was you know the puppet coming in on the bicycle was in that that yeah. short thing. It was that the This
8: little, bup, little yeah, puppet I mean, comes it's out, and I go, <laughs> I I turn to my wife, I go, what the? <laughs> <how did laughs> you know what I mean? And it keeps you
3: guessing. Yeah. But
8: the film is, is um,
5: yeah. I mean, the audience, you saw how everybody was reacting. I would say um, everybody, you know, Friday night, make plans to go see Saw sure. because Absolutely. it is, I mean, and your performance in it is, is outstanding. You. I, mean, you, I mean, you know, you know it's we talked about it and it was just like, I mean, um, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Well, let
1: me ask you another question because you play a surgeon and at a certain point, I don't want to give it too much of the film, yeah. you're at a point where you're kind of dying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And how did you research that were you're I was pal very fortunate
8: or... I went down to uh u c l a and met with a very nice u- neurosurgeon who spent time with me and gave me a lot of insight into what uh the procedures and uh and what what life is like as a neurosurgeon you know and um he asked me what the movie was about. I tried to tell him he was like, "Wow, that sounds really strange. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so uh yeah, I I did a little bit of research there and then for the most part I just because the part was so well written. You know, you're looking for a character as an that you're looking for a character that's not one dimensional, you're looking for a character that has range that's sure it's broad, that's colorful, it's you know, that has highs and lows and has it's com- complex, you know, it's sure. it gray areas, not necessarily just black and white. And uh this character was so interestingly complex. It's a guy who's Who's self-centered and egotistical and he's very complacent in his marriage. and he really thinks, up with Yeah, himself. he's caught up with himself, you know what I mean? And suddenly he gets his comeuppance, you know what I mean? In a big way. In a big, big way. And uh, he's forced to realize uh, a lot of truths very, very quickly. Uh... Get, you know, by, by Well, let me ask you now, just, these, just, these circumstances, you just, just I
1: mean? asking you as an actor, because you have such an appealing face. You're such a, like, you look like oh, a dude, nice guy, right. you know? It's
0: totally hot. <laughs> 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 totally hot.
1: As, Actually, as a, you know you are. You have that
5: effect. I mean, <laughs> as
4: Elena me says. <laughs> you know, this room is I can't
0: believe how many
9: dates
4: <laughs> I've been <night>. on
0: just watching Princess Di. You guys could just see us Thank you. All by myself. Thank you. Thank you. As the
1: women Thank say, you. you're totally Thank hot. I
0: just watched okay. Days of Thunder. Man, you're, <laughs> you're like a suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's turning
8: red in here now. Thank you. All right, Thank there you it is. You're so mean, Karen. but man, you look so good in that little jumpsuit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank
1: you, thank you. All right, Carrie.
0: you were so mean so to Tom Cruise, but I couldn't help it. You <laughs> so had
3: so did. to like you thank anyway. You. Thank That's you.
5: Right. See, thank I can't. I can't. And now can. he's stealing all his roles. You see,
1: all right. Right. All
0: right? I mean,
5: you know, and Mark. You know, I should right. be so, so lucky. Really. really.
1: All right, so I can't comment attention. on that, Carrie. But but <laughs> but again, you, you, yeah, you you can. Have,
0: you talked to me about this morning. You have
1: the the <laughs> imitation of like the imitation. You have the uh, semblance of such a nice guy. Uh it's you all, know, a role front, like this right? is is <laughs> a, a role where we find out this this character really has flaws yeah. and really has some things that yeah. are that yeah. are wrong with him yeah. that are maybe not so likeable. you know, yeah. likable. Yeah. Uh is that a challenge for you as a Oh actor?
8: no, I love that. I mean I, I I you know, we're none of us perfect, okay? Sure. we all have gray areas in our lives, okay sure. and so I think that's much more interesting to play on film, or, and even f- to watch on film for myself, just as a viewer, you know. Okay. So uh, when I, like I said, when I see a character that's complex and has some depth to it, um, that's that's intriguing for me. I'm I'm I'm, I'm immediately drawn to that. So I, I can't if I see a character on the page and it's just like a one note guy all the way through, uh, so I'm I'm yawning. It's done. Okay. You know what I mean?
3: his appearance i think was a huge asset to this mm-hmm.
8: role that the, the my, 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 complexity
3: of the character
5: my one Thanks question you. is how Thanks, uh, oren mark and uh, carrie uh you said you did this in 18 days how did you guys pull off this miracle and deliver such an incredible film in that time frame with this you know Lower than standard budget for it's a film tight. that the I mean, plot you can't. Is I mean, tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I mean, saying did,
3: that who always complains about everything, and this plot is tight. You will love it. Just and tell me just a little bit about what your
5: experience was you about this. Said, how you know something that you took away, what you learned about yourself from from working on in that kind of a situation.
7: You know what I mean, keep saying same it really comes down to, to to James and Lee writing the script, and uh, Greg Hoffman pulling it uh, as a producer out, and getting Carrie and Lee as actors and and Danny Glover and Dina Meyer and Monica Potter and Shawnee and everyone else that chipped in and Benito Martinez but it was really about Carrie and Lee locking themselves up in a room and bearing their souls and you know what, actors go to classes actor go, actors go to workshops but you know what locking yourselves up with 15, 20 camera guys in a small room you're bearing your soul you have no idea what these guys went through and if and I could interject I, I can't describe it
3: Carrie uh, may, because of modesty, hesitate to say this, but I'd ask him what was one of the more challenging elements of making this film, and if you would, share with the listeners what you told me about.
8: Uh, I would have to say being chained to a wolf from <laughs> 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night definitely has its moments. But, uh,
0: and where was I? 6 <laughs> a.m. Where were <laughs>
8: You know what? I, you know, Aaron just said, you're out there with a the crew. We were so blessed in having such a wonderful crew on this movie. They were so supportive of the film. They worked so hard. I've been on a lot of movies. These guys worked so hard, sometimes through the night. We, you know, the scenic painters and the, the props, props guys and the, the the costume designers, they were working through the night. We come in the morning, it's five, 5 o'clock in the morning, they've been working all night. Wow. And so, you know, everyone came to this project because they were passionate about it. And I think that shows on the film. Sure. I, I agree completely. I, I think yeah. it does show on the film. And it shows that,
1: you know, you're pushing the envelope. Yeah. You know, there there are things that, that are standards of whatever the genre is. If it's a thriller, right. there's certain things you expect when you go into a thriller. If it's a horror, there's certain right. things you expect. And what I, what I enjoyed about the movie is all the things that you don't expect to happen, happen. Yeah. And uh, especially for your performance, because you have to go through quite a bit. I don't want to give out the story, but you have to go through quite a bit. I have to believe that you care about some of the people in this movie that you care about and i do thank you thank you so i have a question uh,
9: sure. okay, now course. um
1: yeah i always wonder this about
6: you know um actors when they do these films and have to take on a role of the character and you have to do the research and really feel understand what that character is going through okay. after this film is there something that you now all of a sudden is, is has your ideal about life changed you know, right. really, as a result that's a of like doing this film yeah. and having to feel this, you know, uh, all this angst and and all the, you know, the trauma that that's this kind of a cal- theme yeah. The, yeah. in the movie, yeah. right? That's the theme. The movie. That the, this, it, has it really, you know, uh, changed
8: your book or no, Chris? Um, I would have to say that prior to the movie, um, I consider myself a person who's incredibly blessed. Really, I, I always do. I always thank God. Instead of going to church and asking God for, for, for things I need, I always go to church and thank Him. You know, I don't even have to go to church to thank Him. I... Of fact. Yeah. Um, I keep a diary by my bed uh thanking him with blessings of, uh, of things that have happened to me during the day so i i i'm constantly aware of my good fortune and so uh, that's why i was drawn to this story too because it, in a in in a very twisted way it's a morality tale you know this this serial killer is really yes it is it is a morality uh-huh. trying to get his Absolutely. victims to appreciate life you know and i'm very much a firm believer that we should all be really grateful for for all our blessings really. <sighs>
1: Now, what about you, Oren What struck you so much that you said, let me tell my partner to make this movie?
7: Well, what shocks me the most in listening to everyone talk and everyone's so mellow here, it's 12.48. Let me tell <laughs> you the two words. in the morning. <laughs> the two words that the MPAA said to us the first time they screened the movie. Two words, and I want everyone to listen to these words and think about it. Pervasive terror. <laughs> Perfect pervasive terror that's the the ratings that's the rating pervasive terror film that was the first time the mpa saw this movie they said there was pervasive terror Mm, i like that i
3: i felt like it was psychologically gory and i mean that in a very elegant way it captured
1: you (laughs) pervasive have you experienced any pervasive terror in your life
5: Saw. <laughs> Not too often. <laughs> thank God. Given- Saw. Pervasive
8: terror. <laughs> Give a couple pervasive of dates. Pervasive terror. That's funny.
0: That okay, guys. Mike,
3: you briefly, you briefly mentioned how incredible the music was and the art and the costuming and all of those types of things. And Orrin shared with me earlier, and I'd like him to share with it. Um, were the people that did those things experienced and necessarily big names established in the industry?
7: Well, we got very lucky. You know, the... the first James Wan, you know, when he started doing temp, temp music and just started throwing music up against the scenes, was throwing Nine Inch Nails uh, scenes and nine, and nine Inch Nails music against the scenes, and we we thought, wow, this is great. But you know, we we can't get the nine you know Nine Inch Nails. They're actually not even together really. And Trent Reznor's doing his own thing. And we uh, through a friend of a friend ended up with Charlie Clouser, who who writes the music with Trent and is a producer and was in town producing a band called Helmet, which is a big metal band and. Mm-hmm. Um we contacted him and he's like, Well I you know, I don't know if I could do a movie. I and, so he came down one day, came down to evolution and watched the mu- the movie and uh, watched the movie and we all kinda kept peeking in the door and watching him and he watched See it by how it's himself. Going? <laughs> and he walked outside and immediately lit a cigarette and he was pulling out his hair up and like I don't know if that's good or bad. So we uh, <laughs> we walked out there, James and I uh, and Greg and walked out there and he said, Hey, he said, This is this is great and we said, Well we don't have any money though he goes, I'm in. Okay, okay. So, you know, I mean, we okay. got. He did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I mean, the music is a character. I mean, the score. Definitely. I don't know if I definitely. call it music, but the score. Yeah. The score
8: is yeah. is a character the in the film. It's I mean, so very much so. I mean, it's the whole the soul that kind look, of ripples through it. Absolutely. I mean, but it's not just the music; it's the sound effects. I I describe the way that that James cut this movie is like somebody cut it with a knife. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. You feel yes. like not only you being attacked on film. Uh, through through the process of the torture that's going on from these poor victims that, that's taking place on film. But you also feel the cutting. It's like the cutting with a knife. You know what I mean? Sure. And yeah. uh, it's very, it's really deeply disturbing the way he did it. I don't know how he came up with it. It's brilliant. Brilliant. It's I think it the is.
3: combination of the music and everything, as I looked around the theater tonight, many people were literally on the edge of their seats and leaning yeah. forward and just totally engrossed in it. And that music played a big part in it.
5: Yeah, you're right. And it's it's well written mm mm-hmm. It's very, you know, it's on par with David Mammoth, who I consider, you know, a brilliant writer. And I commented to Mike before we even started talking to you guys about it. I just said, wow, this is so tight and so, yes, so constantly, (laughs) you know, everything is so, I mean, just to come up with everything that's original and then keep it going like a little jigsaw puzzle. And then at the end, there's, there's, you know, there's five deliveries of things you're not expecting. And that's, you know, at least that. You're just sitting there just going, oh, wow. So the audience out there that's going to see this this weekend are going to be blown out out of their seats they're gonna be like and stay tuned because wow. we
3: have tickets
7: well that's James you know that's James and Lee's writing and Carrie you know Carrie and Lee's acting It's just you know it's two guys in a room and then a bunch of mind-blowing flashbacks and it takes you to places you'd never believe well
1: James Wan is a director Lee L is the, the screenwriter and co-star and Carrie Elwes is the star and you're tuned to listen to sponsored radio, WBAI. And we are in the middle of our marathon, and we do have passes for this movie. It's called Saw, S-A-W. It opens up this Friday. We have a pass for a screening this Thursday evening. If you call 212-279-2950, Uh, And make your pledge now. You can make a pledge to the WBAI and you can get a pass for you and a guest to a special screening of Saw. Now, you guys are out of town, aren't you? After this.
8: Yeah. yeah, Okay.
1: Well, you can go to special screening of Saw for WBAI listeners. 212-279-2950. And it's for a $75 pledge. You can get passes to Saw, and we're going to be talking about the best of Night Shift, which is what you're listening to now. I have Chris, original co-host. Yes, my brother. <laughs> Byron Saunders, yes. who's the Roger Moore. Amazing. The Roger Moore. He's you the know, Roger Moore. He is still, he is more than Roger Moore. He's, <laughs> the Roger Moore. <laughs> he's the Roger Moore. He outlasted the original. Yeah. Yes. And hey, Joe, Sean Sean Connery. <laughs> No, Joe's not here, exactly. but he'll be here soon. Joe Missouri. Joe Missouri was supposed to be here. He said he'd call in. I don't know where he is now. Let me ask you a question, uh, Mark.
4: That's me.
1: So, how did you come across this script,
4: Warren Coles? Warren,
1: <laughs> you're the man. Obviously, it all to like Orin. it all comes back to you. You found it. You got the script. You convinced him to do it.
4: Warren's the man, but that girl Carrie is the woman.
1: <laughs> there it is. Oh,
4: wow. You mean Valley. 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 Yeah. Valley.
5: You, you know what's inspiring, though? What's inspiring is that you shot this film a year ago. Yeah. It's 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 you know it's opening this weekend. Yeah. You know, here are these guys in Australia. They write this script. I yeah. mean, it's like I mean, you know, it's incredible. Just you just if you want to believe. Yeah. In whatever you want to do. Well, well, everything. Mm, that's America it's, for it's, you, this, man. This,
8: Your this dreams this can come true in this country, you know what I mean? Right. you're this is
7: literally the American dream. These guys came and they wrote a script. they With no money, they shot a scene on 16mm just to show how what their vision of the movie was. We shot it with no money. we three weeks into it. Mark, Mark Berg is a very good friend of Jeff Gilmore, who runs the Sundance Film Festival. We dropped three weeks after an edit which is nothing. We, we sent it off to Jeff Gilmore, who called us the following Monday, called Mark and said, anything you want. We ended up at the midnight screenings, which are the really cool. Yeah, they screenings. are the hip screenings. We had three standing dance. ovations. Um,
8: people, and the standing people ovations, we tested out. the movie. Did you go to that, Carrie? Oh, yeah. No, that's had, that's where I saw you at these Sundance? guys being escorted out. Okay. Front and center. Mm.
7: Carrie was like Bono walking through that. <laughs> <laughs> Bono.
1: yeah, the sunglasses yeah. and everything, Carrie? No, you know, no, I mean I Bono only <laughs> in the fans' reaction. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. And then no, we
7: went from... Carrie
4: like uh, we always is like Bono every day of the week, man. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he is. I love you Liar Liar.
7: I just want to know. love you. <laughs> Seriously, we took uh, this movie to Sundance. We went from Sundance to two test screenings. We tested it once in Chatsworth. Test another time in Las Vegas. The next thing you know, we're you know we're coming out on 20-some hundred screens. We closed the Toronto Film Festival Kick with 1,400 an people. Yeah, and then we, we opened up in the U.K. on October 1st. We're over $10 million in the U.K. All
1: right. That's, yeah. Just yeah. A That's impressive. Feet.
7: little test balloon. Yeah. We just wanted to see how this right. movie worked. Right. We really attribute to Kerry since he has uh, some... Uh, s- no, man, he's, he's got no, a following. Not, yeah. a, no, no, no,
8: no. It's nothing to do with Have that. Have you opened in Japan thing. yet? Do uh, we it.
7: open day date with us. We open the same on Friday. We open in Japan. He's big in Japan. He's big in
5: Japan. <laughs> you have a hit. He's big you at have
7: it. a hit. You <laughs> got no doubt about you Big it. in
8: Japan. it's, I just know that. it's no, you all about teamwork, guys. Thank you. I just to send
4: always to Japan so I can watch all these little Japanese chicks go crazy.
1: <laughs> that's
8: right, Carrie, <laughs> I want videos of you with the Japanese chicks in Japan. Pretty oh, he got them, man. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
3: oh no, that's not fair. Stay here. No, and you were told. Talking about this script and how you read it and you didn't put any red pen marks on it and it is it is unusual from some of the other things you are done you've been very busy in the last year maybe you could tell us about some of the other projects just so we get an idea of the sure. diversity of roles you've been portraying mm-hmm. sure there ain't
8: I, no you
4: know. princess bride <laughs> right.
8: exactly so how does this relate to your character i did like um it's very different obviously you know i like to change it up a lot you know i don't like to play the same roles by the way, it's one of my favorite soundtracks. I played this in, a, in my car all the time. This is uh, Shawshank Redemption. Really. Oh, yes, I, we just You just talked about it. that. You
5: knew what it yes. was. Yes. yes, thank you. Yeah. We were talking about it on the drive up. What was um?
1: Isn't it a great uh, score? It's, it's Thomas, Thomas Newman. Newman. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Newman. Newman. Thank, Thomas.
7: Thomas Thomas Newman. Newman. Thank, thank you. you. So it's, always. No, it's, no, no, it's no it's no Tangerine Dream thief, but we'll give it some points anyway. Yeah, right, right, right. Tangerine Dream
5: thief with James Bond. I told you. I told you. Very good
1: soundtrack. Chris. Let me say something. I said to Aaron. I said Aaron. What made you know where you wanted to make films? Thief? He said, "I saw a Thief.
7: Oh, yeah. it A great movie. True story. Movie. I'm in Spokane, Washington, and I'm playing in, in junior A hockey, and I'm unbelievably homesick, and I'm from Chicago originally. And Thief is all set in Chicago, and Michael Mann captured the." The essence of Chicago, and I watched that movie, and I said, "Someday I'm going to be in the film business, <laughs> oh, playing money, uh, playing hockey." And watched, and I bought the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. It was score. the first. Yes, I have uh, it. outside of, outside of Saturday Night Fever, which I don't even consider a soundtrack. Buy. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it, was yeah. just a, it was just. It
0: was that's just, a good. That's a good soundtrack. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it wasn't a soundtrack buy. It was a buy because uh-huh. it was the
7: zeitgeist of America. It wasn't like buying a Definitely. soundtrack. Buying Tangerine Dream Thief was like buying a soundtrack. Two you know, nine, the the two lines from the
5: film are like a, you know, uh two zero
3: 09. Where's my two zero
5: where's my nine, end? I don't see my end here, you know. You'll be wearing your ass for
3: a hat,
2: you know. It's a like, $75 it's like,
1: pledge. You can get passes for great movie. A Saw with Carrie Elwes, produced by Oren and Bruce, I'm I'm sorry. And Mark, are you there Mark?
4: Here. I'm just, just
3: getting my violin out for orange. Just, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do want uh, to give dollar pledge. You can get the best
1: out. of night shift uh, featuring Byron, which is one generation of night shift. Who's
3: Byron?
1: Byron is this guy sitting over here next to me. He's Byron, cute. Are you there? I am
4: present. <laughs>
0: Brian is here. He's, iri- he's not Long the original co host. Chris
4: Allen, don't talk original. about AQ guys when you got Give my boy Oren and, and Carrie there. Please, I know. Well, you
1: know, uh, we got to pledge money. Like, you know, uh, 212 209 2950. You can have a $75 pledge. You can get the CD of Byron. Uh, Chris and Joe, best of night shift, and you can get a pass to special screening on Thursday of Saw.
4: where there else can you get this? There it is.
1: Only on here on night shift WBA 9.5. And, 5. and if, so, if,
3: Mike, excuse me, but since yes. we have the guys so here, Carrie, I don't want to put you on the spot, but could we, for the people that pledge tonight, would it be possible if we could just get an autograph for one of the people?
1: That, Ooh, the can you all? autograph Absolutely. something, Carrie? Oh, I might get some nice. CD cases, give him the a bonus. order of or some. No,
3: yeah. no, Carrie a bonus is uh, very altruistic. He's actually involved in a very important Talk charitable to me, Carrie. Cause. Talk
8: to me yeah. about the charitable cause. Yeah, I, I, I'm very blessed. I was just uh, appointed ambassador uh, to <laughs> ambassador the. Uh, Carrie. Well, I, I, ambassador Carrie. Well, Ambassador Elwes. <laughs> <laughs> ambassador Elwes. Speak to me, please. Uh, to to the, ambassador. Elwes. I've been uh, just to a program, though, to uh, a old children in school program. It's uh, being sponsored by uh, the Audrey Hepburn Children's Foundation. It's in conjunction with UNICEF. Okay. And uh, our goal is to get 120 million kids from 25 undeveloped countries in school by okay. th- in 10 years' time. So okay. we're asking anyone who, who can help to go to AudreyHepburn.com and, and make that's donations. And make some wonderful gifts you can buy there. AudreyHepburn.com. So we really appreciate all your help. Uh, what a because, great cause! Yeah, there's lots, lots of uh, kids who who don't have the, the wonderful, uh, the wonderful uh, blessings that we have sure. that we take for granted sometimes. And you know, all the con- all the governments of the world made a pledge to help these kids back in 1998. And I really believe that you can't once you make a promise to a kid, you can't break it. You know and right? for I'm 10 years now,
3: this yeah. is an ongoing cause yeah. that has brought a lot we'll of yeah. great.
1: I have a Thank question you. for Thanks you cuz I asked the orin and had said it was a thief with, that
8: made him want to make movies. When did you know that this is what you wanted to do with your life? When did you know you wanted to be an actor? Well, it's funny. I um my my mom was a single mom okay. uh when I was growing up and uh, back then uh, she really couldn't afford to uh to give us any uh any uh Nannies to look after us or anything like that. So okay. she used to lock us in the house when she went to work. But well, back when you could fun. leave kids home yeah, alone. Right, and, right, right, Locked in the house. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, after we, my brothers and I had done all our chores and cleaning the house and everything like that, our downtime was watching TV. Okay. And uh, I just know that that TV became a very good friend to me. And, uh, I understand. I, I really was drawn to the uh, wonderful entertainment that just provided me with such escapism and like you know like the magic lantern i knew i wanted to be a part of that yeah. okay besides okay.
0: the magic planner what was your
8: favorite show my favorite show <laughs> i was so many shows i mean i love in england they show so many great movies you know i mean the ch- they only had three channels there if you feel like it's Um of
0: um,
8: movies when i went to see movies when i was about six i saw two movies in the same week and they were so unbelievably diametrically opposed One was um, Walt Disney's Mary Poppins. Sure. And the other was a very violent war movie called Waterloo with Rod Steiger. Oh, with
1: Rod Steiger. And I
8: realized in that moment. He was hot, too. (laughs) Christopher Plummer and Rod Steiger. Christopher Plummer. I thought, wow, this is really, this is how exciting movies can be. You You can be both adventurous and you can be fantastical. And I okay. thought, that's okay. exciting. Okay. That's and, pretty and exciting. What tell
3: are us Loo what versus... the roles are that you've done in the last year. I mean, you've done the gamut.
8: Yes, uh, <laughs> you I, I played Ted Bundy for A&E on Thanksgiving. In a, <sighs> yes, in, a, in a show called The Riverman uh, with Bruce Greenwood and Sam Yeager. That was wonderful. Uh, we had a great time doing that. We shot that in uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, then I went off and did this movie. Then I made Edison with Justin Timberlake. That I Which is a earlier, drama. Which is a drama. And then I did a comedy a uh, national wow. lampoon film with uh, John Bon Jovi. I oh, work with really? two, I worked with two musicians this year. With John Bon, yeah. bon Jovi. And, uh, yeah. And the name of John Bon Jovi? It's called The Trouble with Frank.
3: Okay. So we'll make sure and yeah, watch for that. Absolutely. Were you jealous cuz he's hot too?
8: Uh, he's very. <laughs> <laughs> the girls the like
3: gentleman?
8: him. <laughs> he's a real gentleman and such a sweetheart and uh, you know it's funny uh, both of them, both Justin and 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 John if I could compare the two were exactly as you imagine them to be they were gracious they were professional they 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 really worked really hard and they were wonderful in their roles so um you yeah. know i was uh, i was very lucky you yeah, ever so. do any uh summer stock i started out as an apprentice at the westport country playhouse if you can believe westport yeah. country and, yeah playhouse. man you know let me tell you something yeah and you know what it's a great way to learn it is. uh each week they move you around. They don't pay you. They, right. they, they consider it a privilege on your part to just be to there. Be just there, be there. Right, you know right, right. You know right. Because so,
4: we didn't manage you, right? <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> Mark Burge. Burge, Burge. Mark Birds, Check Burge it out. Check manager. it out. I, I actually want to just give it a credit where credit's due. Um, I, I got to really... I learned so many experiences there, and uh, I lived off the props food because I had no money. Ah. Uh, but I, I work with some wonderful people. One week you do fly floor, one week you build sets, one week you do costumes, one week you do this and that. And uh, they just keep moving you around. One That's, week pretty you're a stage cool. wow. That's pretty and cool. And one one show was uh, Orpheus Descending with a wonderful actor by the name of John Ritter. Oh, Check it out. Okay, and John okay. Ritter said to me, he goes, you know, we need an actor in this scene to play one of the mob guys and uh, the mob that descends upon his character and tries to lynch him. So he he gave me my very first break, really. I, he, I, I have to really thank John, God bless him. And he put me on stage. When wow, I was about, wow, John Ritter yeah. gave you your first break. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Uh, yeah. Well, you yeah. heard it here. Yeah,
1: see it's not yeah. going the FM. Because I
8: mean,
4: you're busy now, but I mean, ultimately it's the... When you, when you have that opportunity to do that kind of a craft and it's live and it's one-on-one, it's personal. Oh, I
8: love it. I know. did uh, a show called The Exonerated Off-Broadway um, about two years ago and I really enjoyed that that uh, process. So I'd love to do theater. I think every actor worth their salt should do theater. I mean, you have to. Right. The live
3: so. synergy of the audience? Yeah.
8: I mean, there's no, there's no cut and can we do it again? You know what I mean? It's right there. It's real. You know what I mean? Like this right. is. <laughs> right.
0: Where do your nerves really shake, though? Like... When you're getting ready to do a, a scene on film or when you're, you're doing live?
8: Um, you know, it's like Laurence Olivier said in his biography. If you're not a little bit nervous before you go on stage or on, in front of the camera, then there's something wrong with you. You should quit. Sure, sure, right. sure, I mean, sure. It's that kind of energy that actually gets you going. It fuels and, you. It uh, fuels you, yeah. It's kind of exciting. It really is. It really how,
5: is. How did you wind up landing the role with Princess Bride?
8: Just to take us back for a minute, like, what was that experience like um, about Reiner? I was truly in the right place at the right time. You know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, yeah, you were born to play it. And, and, and you know, we're talking earlier, earlier on to about to blessings. The role. We're talking earlier on about blessings. Sure. I could have been busy during that period. You know what I mean? I could have been on another movie and uh, been unavailable. So the fact that I was available, I was actually just finishing up the movie in Berlin. And uh, Rob Reiner and uh, his producing partner Andy Scheinman flew out to Berlin and they uh, they met with me in my hotel room and uh, they I read for them and they said, listen, we want to offer you the part. And I wow. said, where do I wow. sign, man? You know? Wow, 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 wow. wow. <laughs> so it Had was you read a... the book? Were you familiar I with the I didn't know the book. I knew the script a bit because it had been around for about seven years. You know, yeah, Francois, I had. Francois, Francois Truffaut tried to make it at one point. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. he did he's passed on yeah he's one a wonderful filmmaker he's no longer with us sadly mm, um, so i knew about the script you know being around for a while and so i knew bill goldman's work of course i was a big fan of uh, marathon sundance man and butch cast butch Cassidy and sundance kid marathon man. and uh you know so i was like okay where do i sign you know what i mean so I was very fortunate. Very fortunate to be the Great right movie. place at the right time. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. I have Excellent to tell
6: you, I just saw it the other night, again, for maybe like maybe the 50th time, where it's like my sons and I were just sitting there. Really? My has got twin
10: Big
3: deal. Elena, what do you think? I still <laughs> think he has one of the top five most passionate kisses of all <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
4: I, I have a question. Uh, yeah. I have a question. Okay, the giant. I mean, one of the few people, last people on. Because Andre um, unfortunately passed away not long, yeah. long after that, but yeah. I mean, it's like you have a great cast, Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, my
8: God, is this uh, I know we were blessed. That's
3: another quest. film in an entirely yeah. different genre that is just full of surprises, <laughs> false turns, and yeah. and, and, yeah. and yeah. diverse yeah. character portrayal on yeah. your part. Joey Thank you,
8: yeah. oh, oh, Andre. care
4: about her. that old movie. Yeah, Andre. <laughs> no, 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 there's
3: a lot of quotables in that movie that yeah. pertain yeah. to different scenarios, You've bizarre times you find yourselves in life, and you go, <laughs> "Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, right." Now, Mark, I have a question Speaking for of kisses. you. Did you
0: like get stuffed animals out and like try What's to like, demonstrate what they were doing? Hang on. Mark, I I'm have like, a question for you. So hot.
1: Now, Mark, you as a producer and you produce a number of you said urban films and whatnot. Name a few of the films you produced prior to this.
4: Strictly business, BAPS, how to be a player, don't be a menace, love don't cost a thing.
1: Now, what made you decide that this is the kind of film that you wanted to do? Because this is not an urban comedy or anything even close to that.
4: Well, you know, I'm kind of colorblind. So once I heard that Cal- Carrie always wanted to do the movie, I was in.
7: All right, all right. It's true. You know, and as much as it, you know, Carrie's sitting with us, is, and, and it sounds like that, but... Literally, Mark and I were in the dark, you know, and Greg, we, we, we just took this this script and this DVD, and the only person we sent it to was Carrie. And mm-hmm. one word, you know, when you get an email back from an actor who, who's worked with some of the best producers, be Dom, Don Simpson, may he rest in peace, mm-hmm, and people, yeah. you know, Don and, Jer- and Jerry Bruckheimer at their height. Sure. Yeah. And people like that, and, and you get a one-word response in three capital letters, Wow.
3: And he is articulate. <laughs> he he yeah, could
7: right. have exactly. done a lot I, I have a question. I have a question. Oren. Do,
6: do you know um do you know any of the uh uh information on the on, on the production uh designs, like the uh the hardware, the mechanisms, the uh
7: Yes, I do. What,
6: yeah, like you know, because that's those are also well, sort of characters in a Lee, sense, Jean, well, the devices for terror. You know, like those those traps.
7: Well, we had we the production designer was this amazing, uh, kind of a hippie chick girl from Chicago who had never done a movie before called Julie Burgoff, who did an amazing job. And the actual construction for the site for the head trap was actually designed by by James and Lee when we. When Carrie and I got, were fortunate enough to see the eight-minute DVD of a, of a scene they shot back in Australia, it actually had a full-on mechanical working jaw trap that these guys designed and had um, manufactured, operational. yeah, yeah operation. op- operational manufactured jaw trap device. <laughs> it was it's like a reverse bear trap <laughs> yeah. that they actually <laughs> used. And we had um, Tom Bellissimo out of Los Angeles, who's a great special effects guy, Make th- make one out of uh, it was like a third as light. Made it out of aluminum, but it, the first actual version of this he- bear trap head torture device was made by James and Lee, or made by a friend of theirs, which they completely designed. Wow! wow. Yeah, the whole film, okay. the film,
5: okay. all okay. of it okay. just okay. sucks with you that. right in. Yes, it does. It yes, sucks it does. you right in from the first like. Two minutes, you're in. Like you said, the first 10 minutes, I bet when you read the script, it blew you right out of the water. Cause, and
3: for the yeah. women out there listening, going, oh, all this stuff sounds like, forget it. I'm going to puke. I mean, I know there would no, be. It's uh, not the I, I realized that, uh, I think Greg shared with me, somebody said you guys did have somebody that puked in Canada or yeah, somewhere. in Toronto. <laughs> right, in Toronto. Somebody
1: who puked in <laughs> Canada. But, <laughs> but, it's but not the song. thing
3: is, it's, it's more psychologically, gory. <laughs> yeah. As I said, it's very elegantly done. So hey, Valerie. For the women out there, it's great, yeah. But
4: women out there, you just tell them that Carrie always gets naked in the movie. It's naked. No, no, no. no.
3: But I'm almost, almost with the touch like Alfred Hitchcock would have. (laughs) You know, it is a lot of the terror occurs in your mind and your imagination, and they they give you the pieces to piece it together. Happens right after
4: Carrie always gets naked in the (laughs) (laughs) movie. That's not the terror part, though. Let me tell you.
8: (laughs)
9: Yeah,
1: no. So, had a... you ever worked with Mark or or No, it's the first this? time I've worked with these first
8: guys. First time sometimes. they just
1: sent you this weird script and you just yeah. said,
8: wow. I just said, wow.
1: Now, let me ask you, Oren, what made you decide that Carrie always is the kind of a choice? Because he's an interesting choice. I mean, he's always done good work, he's never done bad work. But he's well, not known necessarily known that, but a the, box that's office. That's kind straw. of you. Well, okay. Well, I haven't seen the bad stuff that you've done, the B-movies with... Let's uh, uh, not talk
8: Hopefully about that. Hopefully you never will, yeah. yeah right, yeah. <laughs>
7: in carrie's experience and his legitimacy is what drew us to him you know he was the first person we sent this script to and he was the anchor what we started building this movie around
1: well based on what what made you pick carrie
7: we work with carrie on a managerial aspect and we just you know we talked at that point we were talking a lot almost every day about different projects and i just i needed his input you know carrie's um he's very modest about it but carrie's a screenwriter
3: carrie's I
1: He's don't. also a yeah, producer. What, like to, has, like what have you
8: written? He's what have you producer.
3: written? He's
8: uh, a yeah, producer. No, Talk uh, to me. What have you written? I, I haven't written anything are. that's been published yet, but uh, I've, I've got a few things on the shelf. Okay, 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 okay.
9: Back
3: to the articulate thing. Go ahead, everyone.
8: <laughs> <laughs> so
7: f- for me, you know what? Uh, I just I wanted that validation. I, it sounds boring and repetitive, but I wanted that validation. Carrie and I were... We're talking at that point probably two or three times a week about different things, and I just I needed I needed his input. I I trusted my gut, and Mark trusted I guess my gut, and <laughs> and James and Lee were amazing. But I just I just needed an actor's point of view. And Carrie
3: was the potential protagonist, so hearing him resonate the same things you had felt kind of sealed it all for you.
7: Totally, but I I knew you know what? But like like anything else, you know, you're filled with self doubts, and you read something, and you're like, you know, unfortunately, in our business. In, it happens more and more at the upper levels but you look people look at something and they're like oh it's great oh uh, I don't know if it's great Where <laughs> me, I, exactly. I, I just thought it was mind blowing and Greg Hoffman who works for this thought it was mind blowing and everyone in reading this script but I, I needed an actor especially an actor that had worked with some of the best filmmakers and actors and actresses in the business to just kind of help me and guide me in this and sure, which he did sure how, how did uh, Lionsgate the other thing that
5: always blows me away but just the first Fifteen seconds of the the um, the name of the company. Uh, what is it? Uh, Twisted Pictures. That, that's our company. That's your company. Just the logo and everything, and that thing just coming on at full blast. Just was like, boosh.
7: how did Lionsgate uh, Lionsgate get uh, get involved? Well, Lionsgate had a great history. Um, you know, in our business, it kind of goes in ebbs and flows. And right now, there isn't anyone that makes these kind of movies or distributes these kind of movies. You know, Artisan is gone, Trimark is gone. Trimark is gone. Yeah. Aren't Trimark is uh, Lionsgate bought Trimark and Artisan. And, really, yes. Lionsgate
1: bought Trimark and Artisan.
7: Yes. So there isn't, huh. you know, and Miramax is, I guess, in a polite way to say, in flux. So you, yeah, Miramax, Miramax and Dimension are in flux. There's nobody making these movies. And, and I thought they did a terrific job of marketing a movie yeah, that really Universal did. gave them back for free called mm-hmm. House of Thousand Corpses. Sure. But it might uh, not have been for everyone. It was Rob, Rob Zombie, zombie, film. zombie right. film. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they had the guts. It was, an, um, un, I guess it came out unrated. And they had the guts to take it out and throw a campaign behind it that they believed in. And then they took another little film, which I thought they did a great job with, called Cabin Fever. Okay, which is much yeah, more of a slasher. A very good film. You know, we yeah. we look at our film more of a of a thriller. You know, much more in the vein of Seven or Cube for the film fanatics. Mm-hmm. But they took a, I guess, more of a modern day slasher film like Cabin Fever and did an amazing job of marketing this film. And then this summer they took a film, uh, Open Water and did a great job. And so for us,
5: a lot of people like that. It was
7: yep. it was finding someone that would would. Not sure. Of st- not sure. Not
8: sure the project. In yeah, yeah, a grassroots
7: yeah, yeah. way, yeah. not just say, oh, great, we're going to throw a bunch of money at it and see if the people come or not, but sit down sure. with us and, and care. Si- sit down with the actors and actresses and, and just walk walk us through it. Yeah, and I got
8: to say. Again, have a passion. Yeah, I got to say, the ad campaign and the marketing that they came up with for this film has been phenomenal, really. Um, and so my kudos out to Lionsgate for that. They so okay. great job.
1: Okay, okay. And uh, Mark
4: yeah i'm here you're here <laughs>
1: uh, i have a question for you now for you now what kind of scripts come across your desk and what makes you listen to your partner or hey, let's
4: talk about important stuff
1: okay <laughs> talk to me what's going
4: on down at that radio station
1: <laughs> <laughs> valley's about to do her thing when the music breaks comes on Uh I my. want to get
3: some pledges coming in here, though. I yes. want some people to be pledging, yeah, we'll and I also want to pledge. I want to get some hits on the Audrey site, yeah, too. Let's 212 get some 209
1: that up out 2950. 2950. I'll pledge, make pledge enough
4: money to keep that radio station on the air once Thank I hear that Valerie did the right thing. Valerie, <laughs> well,
1: Valerie will do the right thing. You're tuned to listen to sponsored Radio W.
4: I take care of my partners and people that I work with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Mark. Well, Mark, what made you pick this script? I mean, Orange said, let's do this. But what made you say, what, what are the elements of the script that made you say, okay, this is something I can do?
4: My partner says, do something. I listen to him. Cause that's why we're partners. I
1: understand. So he's just the man.
3: Well, and, and it worked. To him. It worked. after you, you have
4: in that radio station right now? What's that? You don't even understand who you have in that radio station. No, you mean Oren? No, I don't understand. Oren and talk. Carrie Always. Can I tell you something? Carrie what? Always is one of this city's, this town's, this country's great talents.
5: <laughs> I, I, agree. I, agree. I agree. I agree. And I agree. a super nice guy. Both you guys, <laughs> all of you, have just been uh, and just a super nice guy.
8: gracious and, 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 and so, so nice. I mean, over I mean,
3: here.
8: Thank you. Yeah, my Gavin, cousin my cousin yes, Gavin is in Joining here, us in
3: here, here
8: hanging uh-huh. out with us. and yeah, he's nice
3: and a handsome man himself, let me tell you. <laughs> We're in fat city down here. It takes a lot
6: of character to stay up to He's 124. He's very hot. I can see him tights. Oh, yes, I was going to say that
3: after the premiere tonight, I at the, at the after party, I asked lots of people. And in the theater, I went up to probably 30 people and said, what do you think of the film? Yeah. What surprised you? What didn't? What ages would you recommend? And across the board, they said, don't take the kids. Right. <laughs> do not take the no, kids. It's not a
1: kids enough. movie. This right. is not... A kids movie.
3: But the overwhelming response I got was from people. I got well, one, woman, one woman that said, oh, my gosh, my stomach hurts. And I said, nauseous? And she said, no, I didn't even notice. I had this huge tub of popcorn, and I was so nervous the whole time. I just kept shoveling it in my mouth, and the next thing I knew, it was all gone, and I ate it. Yeah. <laughs> Which wow. is, that's okay. the kind of film Top popcorn,
8: was. Okay. Yeah, really, we want to urge uh, parents, if they're thinking about bringing their kids. Don't bring kids, your 12 year old Please don't. No, don't. I would don't say bring probably
5: your the age of probably 15, yeah, 15 to 15 yeah. or older. And I think actually the film appeals across the board because for for myself that's seen a, a lot of films um, yeah. like those twists and turns and yeah. that Seven, um, you know, you compared it to oh, Seven, I, I would, of or um, Signs uh, of the Lambs, um, even a little bit of... Um, Six cents in there, just right. as far as a little bit of a twist in there with yeah. its own idea. And that's, and then at the same time how, like I said, I keep going back to how inspiring for everyone out there, you know, to be able to believe in your dreams and what you really want to do because these guys are doing it and I, and I hope you are blessed. Yeah. And I mean that sincerely yeah. from my heart. That because to even get a film made oh, right. and finished in a year's time from where it is, I don't know how long the conception started, but you, you need to both commend yourselves. You know, that's just—it's incredible to pull this off. Thank you. And, oh, and what's and the, the you shot this How always days? really
4: got the part in this movie? How did get really <laughs> get the part? Talk to me. We needed an actor that only had one leg. (laughs) (laughs) That's some kind of an inside
9: joke.
4: (laughs) So that he does a really, really good job of faking out the audience (laughs) for the first half of the movie. I am
3: so so absolutely, Mark, just dying to to delve into the plot because typically that's what I do on the air, but I'm not going to give it away, but what I do want to do is challenge our listeners, all of you guys out there tonight that are (laughs) listening, whether you're on the internet or the radio, I want to challenge you to either get the passes here and make a donation or hit your theaters, whether you're in New Orleans or or Alaska or wherever you are, hit the theaters this weekend. And then next week on Monday's show, We'll talk.
5: Yeah, we'll call you Monday,
2: and we're going to have a bet,
5: okay? W-P-A. Sushi dinner downtown, if this
4: works <laughs> out.
9: <laughs>
2: no, it. has got, it's got something for everyone. Week, I
4: like shit. It's got a lot of tech in it, too. I like, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm calling back, back next week. The Listeners. You going to fall back next week, I want to know. There's so many times.
3: There's so many times during the film when I want to know, okay, as listeners, were you um, leaning in that direction? Did you have any idea this plot twist was going to occur? How did this scene impact you emotionally? Did you laugh? Did you scream? Did you sit on the edge of your seats? Because all of that is what I expect to hear from you. (laughs)
1: Oh, well, all right then. tune to the bottled radio WBI 99.5 FM the name of the show is Night Shift and we're here with Carrie Elwes... Oren, what's your? How do I spell your last name, Oren? Coolas. Coolas. K O U L A S.
4: Yes. Think you got to know the
1: yes. names of your like guests. Oren yeah. Mark Burge, <laughs> and they're the, the respectively, the writers. Oh, I'm sorry, the producers and star of a new film called Saw that opens up this Friday. Saw is starring Carrie Always and Lee. Whannell. Wanell, who is and, uh, the screenwriter. Danny, Danny Glover and Monica And Potter. Danny Glover and Monica Potter. Monica Potter. And uh, it opens up this Friday, but we're going to have a special screening this Thursday. We have two passes. If you call now, 212 I'm sorry. Two one two two seven nine two nine two five zero. Sorry, sorry. Hello. Two one two two zero nine two nine five zero. Make your pledge now for a pledge. W B I W B N nine nine four five. You're gonna love five.
3: this movie. Pick up the phone. Come on. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. This is your subconscious speaking.
1: You got to hear what you missed way back doesn't, when. Doesn't sound like much, but anyway. Hey, <laughs> hey, watch yourself there. You know, we had Elena. I mean, how did Elena show up out of the blue valley? Elena. Anyway, so that was 2004. That was Carrie Elwes. That was a live show on Night Shift. In case you didn't know. This is Night Shift. I'm Mike Sargent. and I'm here with Siri And it is Halloween, or it will be, or it will have been, because it'll be midnight in a few minutes. And if you've enjoyed the show, please consider making a pledge in the name of Night Shift. You can call 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. Or you can go online to WBAI.org. Just go to Night Shift. As a matter of fact, you go on the front page, there's so many ways that you can pledge. And since Night Shift's been on 30 years, pledge $30. Become a BAI buddy, $30 a month. Now, Joe anything you want to say about Halloween before or about yourself or about anything you want to say?
2: Uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there right now if, if you're looking to get your Halloween groove on and just make some popcorn. Uh, I just finished watching... Uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. How was that? Which was uh, very good. Uh, even, even the one episode that I didn't feel uh, was as good as the others was still better than uh, a lot of stuff that I've seen recently. I, I-, I thought... Very well made. And the one thing that he does because he introduces all the episodes is that he introduces who the directors are. And he has these little figurines that look like the directors uh, that he puts on the table with an object from the story uh, from the cabinet when he introduces it. And I thought that was very cool. A little nod to the the Rod Serling's Night Gallery kind of thing. Nice. So, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, Barbarian, which came out in August, is on Hulu, and uh, Peter Kripaldi's in a new BBC show called The Devil's Hour, which was really cool. Uh, and horror and science fiction, and so yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there to pick from.
1: Well. Wow. There it is. Job is Thank you.
2: My pleasure, as always.
9: A man and a woman had a little baby. Yes they did. They had three in the family. That's a magic number.
10: Check for Cat Radio Café. Uh, testing. Testing. Tune in to Cat Radio Café Tuesday night at 9 here on WBAI. I'm Janet Coleman. I'm David Dozer. The Displaced Playwright on Tuesday, November first at 9 p.m. We'll be joined by playwright-actress Abby Tannenbaum and director and artistic director of the Cell Theater, Kira Simmering, to discuss what kind of woman, a play ostensibly about decluttering that looks backwards to pre-Roe v. Wade days and forward to a deeper understanding of what reproductive choice means to the liberated lives of women. Tuesday night at 9 here on WBAI. Cat Radio Cafe. Hey, a cat's drink coffee. After a cat nap. Oh, so do I.
0: ha. <laughs> uh-huh. Not so strange to find you here. I'd like to try to persuade you to contribute at least a dollar or two to the meagre coffers of WBAI, Terrestrial Radio Station. And what do you suppose your dollars could do to horrify corporate media with an alternative to their narrative? You'd be surprised. Ah, not so strange to find you here. I'd like to persuade you to contribute. At least a dollar or two to the meagre coffers of WBAI, Terrestrial Radio Station. And what do you suppose your dollars could do to horrify corporate media with an alternative to their narrative? You'd be surprised... You'd be surprised.
10: Hello, WBAI listeners and supporters. Tune in Tuesday,
1: November 1st
10: from 7 to 9 p.m.
1: for the first report of 2022
10: from the WBAI Local Station
1: Board. This month, you'll be introduced to the LSB officers and to the PNB directors.
10: They'll talk about their responsibilities, recent developments throughout the network, and ask you for your ideas on how to build a stronger WBAI.